cuts and the Preston model. If you don't know what that is, you'll see by the end of the presentation. So, brief background. It's not the best screen, but um, of course, 2008, economic crash. 2010, Conservatives and Lib Dems come to power and are just abysmal. Um, so, austerity in the last eight years, uh, since 2010, uh, central government funding to local authorities has been cut quite drastically. Uh, I got some statistics for the northeast regions in Newcastle, it's 48.8%, North Tyneside, 49-ish percent, Northumberland, 50. They're all about half. So, in the last eight years, the amount of money coming from central government to local government in our region has been cut in half, um, pretty much across the board. So, in real terms, I can't give you the actual numbers in terms of millions of pounds lost. Um, I know that between 2010 and 2014 for Newcastle City Council it meant about 89 million, but we've had an extra four years since then and I couldn't find a more up-to-date statistic. But this has meant you know, the reduction and cutback or complete elimination of certain public services, so think like leisure centres, they were the first to go, and there have been closures of many libraries, parks have not been uh, like maintained and so on, the closure of pools um, and so on, and more pressingly cutbacks in wage reductions and wage freezes for like teachers, teaching assistants with the nasty uh, incidents that happened in Durham, uh, social care workers, other government, uh, local government workers, etc. Uh, so it, over the last eight years, local authorities in the Northeast, as with elsewhere, have attempted to cover up or, or make up for some of this cut in local funding by increasing revenues on a local level. Largely by increasing council tax at the maximum of like 4.99% every year, which doesn't really cut the, uh, the problem. So here's a, a few articles, you probably can't read that, but um, this is some screenshots from an um, uh, article in the Chronicle from a couple months ago. Um, Newcastle City Council, the central government funding for Newcastle has fallen by 48.8%. Uh, that means the total funding, including its local sources, has fallen by 35.8%. So, m including local funding, council tax, other uh, business rates and so on, make up for some of that, but it doesn't uh, cover it. Um, so, it's also attempted to control costs through austerity, cutting back on services. So, spending on housing in Newcastle has fallen by 60.7% in eight years. And... Uh, the same percentage for cultural services. I'm not quite sure how they define cultural services. Um, it, this is uh, meant job losses, which don't help increasing taxes because you need people employed and having an income to pay taxes, and if they lose their job, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Uh, and we've seen 13.3 million spending cuts in the last year, um, or rather for the 2017-18 fiscal year uh, was the, the statistics and council tax is going up for a second year in a row at 4.95%. So this is just some background statistics, really, so you can get a, an issue. So what's the problem with, with money? Leaks. You said you were going to destroy that process. I never said anything of the <laughs> sort, Rachel. For those of you that don't know, this is, uh, this is Comrade Nadia from uh, Harrow Momentum who came up for the People, Pits and Politics Festival and got a leak as a bit of a joke uh, and took this picture. So why am I saying leaks? There's no money because it keeps leaking out of the region. Um, 
This mm. is a very helpful diagram when you can actually read it properly, but uh, it, it's from this book by David Harvey, which I would recommend to get. It's his most recent one. It's on page six. It's Marx, Capital, and the Madness of Economic Reason, where he talks about how the economy functions. And um, basically, if you think about it in somewhat simple terms, there's, um, and I'll use Keynes's words, Keynes being the British economist from the 1920s and 30s, he talked about this thing called, what he called the circle of money, but he just ripped it off of Marx, basically, where you've got, you know, households on the one end, businesses and other firms on the other, and household spending creates the demand for the things that firms sell, and they um, sell, you know, commodities, use values, public services, etc., to the households. And on top of both, you've got government who takes taxes from both, gives welfare to one, and investments and spendings to another. Um, and it's a sort of virtuous cycle-ish. Not always, there's a bit of reduction. Um, but Keynes also said, you also have you know, threats to this circle of money. So long as all of this money is flowing around and being productive, and people are being paid, and people are buying things, and it's all working like an oiled engine, um, all will be good, in theory. Um, but you get leakages out of this <coughs> virtuous circle, and it takes money out so people don't have any money to spend, so uh, businesses can't sell things to people, so businesses go bust, so people can't be employed, etc. We've got another comrade arriving. Come along, come along. Multiple people. Standing room. Um, <coughs> I'd advise going that way if I were you. I'm going to sit. <coughs> You're right I'd, in front of oh, these. Can you bring <laughs> this way? Behind Steve, you can go oh, sit over there, look. This side. Sorry about that. Yeah, so it leaks out in a couple different ways. Um, he's, Keynes was very insistent that savings uh, actually constitute a leak because if people aren't spending and they're saving money, you're not getting in that virtuous circle of um, reproducing <coughs> the economy. Um, so <coughs> savings, if done en masse, if everyone's saving all at once, is bad. Saving on an individual level is fine. But if everyone stops having confidence in the economy, then everyone starts saving and it's, it doesn't help. Um, but more significantly than that, you've also got you know, the sort of more um, negative leaks, shall we say, in terms of, um, and the big ones being rent, tax <coughs> avoidance, and interest, which literally just sucks it out of, it sucks productive wealth out of the economy. So, you know, rents, if people are paying rents to landlords at exorbitant rates, those landlords basically just sit on the money or use it to buy a second home in Spain or send it to a tax haven, um, links in with the tax avoidance one, and it's not being productive and people that would have otherwise spent that money on goods and services are not spending it on them so you don't get that, that cycle of money again, or cycle of wealth. Um, <coughs> interest payments on debts operate very much the same way, so money being sucked out of people and, and businesses into banks, which then goes back into speculation rather than into productive lending, because productive lending doesn't give high yields for banks. So why on earth would you as a banker want to invest in that when you can invest in shares and derivatives and so on? Um, and of course, tax avoidance, where it literally just disappears out of the economy to be sat on by billionaires and multinational firms and so on, um, not being used at all, because it's not safe to invest your money. Um, but, you know, capitalists, say that they they have a right to things because of risk, but they're not even taking the risk. 
So this is a bit more visualized in terms of the Northeast. Now that kind of abstractly, you can do it on a, on a national level, but it also applies to a local economy uh, or a regional economy like ours. Um, it's particularly bad in the deindustrialized parts of Britain. Um, so, you know, profits are leaving the Northeast because a lot of the goods and services and companies that are based here or based here operate here aren't actually keeping that money in, in the area. So think sort of national uh, shopping chains where people buy their daily goods. Um, that money doesn't stay in the local economy. It's sent off to um, most corporate headquarters are in London and then that is then shifted to a tax haven in the Netherlands or Luxembourg or Panama or wherever else. Um, tax evasion, debts and interest rents, savings, etc. And doubly to that as well, because there's not any reinvestment in, there's not enough reinvestment in the Northeast, there's not new jobs being created because there's not any firm, there's not new businesses setting up of any kind. Public sector has been squeezed by government austerity, so public sector jobs aren't there. So you also get this, this phenomenon of um, skills and labour kind of disappearing off to London where all of the economic dynamism is, which only exacerbates uh, the sort of regional inequality between the North and the South. Um, it's, yeah, um, especially given that we've got two universities producing all of these highly skilled workers and doing a good job of gentrifying the city while we're at it. Um, we're not seeing a, a, as high a dividend from that as we might want to. So if, if this problem is there's no money because central government isn't giving it to local authorities for Tory austerity reasons, and there's no money locally, so you can't increase that tax base, so increasing council tax is just gonna not it's just gonna hurt people on a local level and make up for things in the short term, but it's not gonna have a long term sustainable effect. How do you actually come in? Sit on the floor. There, is, there, is, some, there is some spare yellow chairs outside. Is there enough space in the meeting? We'll just stand at the back, it's quite alright. Okay. Right, solid. Um, <laughs> when did I get so popular? Um, I won't put your name in next, they won't know. Yeah, uh, anyway. So if, if the problem is that the money is leaking out and it's not being reinvested, so there's no opportunities for either businesses or entrepreneurs, whatever they are, or workers to do any of that economic activity and it just disappears off to the south and the wealth disappears off elsewhere, then th the solution to me seems fairly straightforward and it, it struck a couple other people as well uh, over the last decade of, well, just control the leaks or cut off the opportunities for money to leak. So this is the idea of community wealth building. So there's a bit of a history to this. Um, the first use of this practice um, was, what well, use of this practice, you could say it's actually been attempted for a good hundred years or so, but specifically uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, which is northeast United States, the Rust Belt, it's a bit like Middlesbrough, but with cars instead of petrochemicals, um, in terms of everything shut down, cars disappeared, it used to be a city of over a million people, its population is shrank in half because pe there's no jobs, so people leave. Um, so they, they, they looked at um, Cleveland, Ohio, um, which is also a city uh, of highly racialized segregation where you've got incredibly poor black neighborhoods and on the other side of the road, pseudo gentrified white neighborhoods where the life expectancy is 20, 20 years longer and so on. Um, 
And they basically said, well, let's, let's look at what can't leave the local economy and, re and, and sort of take over or work with those institutions. So they, they, they thought this uh, concept of anchor institutions, things that are anchored to an area and can't leave if you change the tax code uh, and can't, can't disappear because, you know, yeah, looking for jobs or whatever or investment opportunities. Um, so if, for example, in the US, Walmart comes in or some sort of big multinational firm, often it's the case that state and local governments there will go, oh, we'll, we'll lower our taxes so you can come and invest. But then the next year, they just disassemble the plant and disappear because somewhere else did the same. Um, so what can't leave? Well, they had the university. You can't have the University of Cleveland not in Cleveland. Uh, they had local hospital. You can't really disappear. And the local government. Um, and local schools, although American schools are even more strapped for cash than ours. Um, and they basically said, um, we will look at how you're spending your money and where you're putting your investments and we'll repurpose them to localize them so they stay in the local economy so that stops leaking out. Um, and specifically, you, you could do this in a sort of non-radical way where it's just, oh, I just support small businesses. And I'm actually quite certain a lot of right-wing and uh, conservative-leaning people would probably support something like this if it was just, oh, we don't like big business, we like small business, give it to our local farmer's market or something like that. That's all fine-ish. Um, but the interesting part is that they did this specifically as a radical project to, to build sort of new economic institutions. They've avoided using the word socialism because this started when Bush was still president, so it hadn't been re rehabilitated quite yet. Um, so basically worker co-ops and other forms of sort of social enterprise in inverted commas. And over the last 15 years, they've, they've done quite well at um, building these institutions up. So in Cleveland, um, through shifting the spending and investment policy of those local anchor institutions to insource things rather than outsource things and to bring them in so that supply chains were not, you know, in a different state or a different country. Um, although it might be slightly more expensive to buy things locally on an initial basis, the combined spending power of those public institutions, and we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars a year, rather than just a few cents on, on sort of consumers, um, sort of it adds up um, and they were working with some intellectuals at the university who thought well we know how to set these businesses up we, we understand how the, the sort of law governing co-ops in the US works um, so let's help people to build these things rather than just go down the road of normal standard businesses um, so the achievements of this being um, they've got the largest indoor lettuce growing facility in the entire United States as a co-op which is quite impressive. They have the largest cooperative manufacturing plant of solar, pa uh, solar panels, uh, which is, you know, you can do this specifically for ecological reasons as well. And they've also set up um, a community uh, owned and run uh, sort of laundromat um, as a sort of space of social interaction between uh, people in the community where otherwise they'd be doing the laundry sort of isolated. This is sort of part of the sort of feminist angle as well of well, why should women just be doing household labour in a sort of isolated manner to bring it all together? And they went out of their way to set something like that up. 
Um, I'd say you've just had just over 15 minutes. So okay. Maybe four minutes. There's only a couple more slides left, actually. Um, oh, Preston. Yeah, and then some people will probably have heard of Preston. Uh, not the city. I'm sure you've heard of the city. It's in Lancashire. Um, so, uh, starting 2011, uh, Labour Council in Preston, uh, one of the, one particular council there, councillor on the on the council, Matthew Brown, uh, who uh, is quite well known now. He's working with Jeremy and John McDonnell at a national level to get this this moving in the party. Um, Push for these sorts of community wealth building ideas in <coughs> Preston. And again, here comes Julian, just the man. Um, hello, um, oh, we're just talking about Sorry, what you were talking about. Sorry? <laughs> I'm sure you'll have comments. Um, so, yeah, he, he pushed for this uh, in Preston on the council from the top down. It wasn't actually a bottom up project in Preston, it came from within the council to repurpose their day to day procurement of what. Public sectors, uh, what public services were doing, and in Preston especially, um, they used some of their public sector pension funds to invest directly into regenerating uh, the local community in a sort of non-gentrifying way. So often we think of regeneration projects as, oh, money's going to come in from central government or from some, you know, far-off land build us like a shopping centre and a view cinema and a, I'm just telling you what happened in Cramlington basically. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be great and then they build you an awful plastic building that does not at all fit in with anything and takes away half the car parking spaces when there's barely any public transport. Well done. Um, and, then, and then it doesn't do well economically. Rather than that, actually giving the local community some say in, in investing and how it's been set up. And They've been slower on the co-ops uh, front uh, in terms of radical projects, but they are going that way now. They're, they're setting up, or um, is it actually set up already, the local energy uh, company that's the alternative to the big <coughs> six? You might know, Julian. Uh, I don't think it's... Don't is think it not started yet? yet? Yeah. Mm. Well, there's, there's been a move on, <coughs> municipalise the control of the energy sector so you don't have to pay to one of the big six, which are all oligarchs that do this tax evasion thing. Um, and so on. And they've been pushing as well, they, they've set up a, the Preston Cooperative Development Network, which is a sort of educational institution as far as I understand it, which works with some of the academics and students at the University of Central Lancashire who are interested in setting up these alternative or new businesses. Um, and there's a couple of them getting off the ground in recent months in terms of stuff in the tech sector and so on. So this is that's what's happened in Preston. Now, we could go on all day. Well, uh, basically, to summarise that, um, it's about insourcing geographically, um, so a region can control its leakages, um, so that money keeps circulating in a productive <coughs> way and doesn't get, you know, taken up by speculation or tax evasion or rent or whatever. Um, but uh, but tinkering with money flows by itself isn't radical. You've got to direct it into transformative economic models and projects um, so you've got to actually you know build some sort of municipal socialism and not just do sort of Tory oh we like SMEs thing I think the important thing is not to do it on a sort of one-off ad hoc basis but to actually
actually have a sort of institutional plan for it. So something we could concretely do on a local level in Newcastle is sort of legislate locally for public sector spending and investment to be to meet certain criteria for community development. This is something they did in Preston was set up an impact assessment rather than just going a how cheap is it going to be, which can include things like ecological concerns because we're facing like the end of all life on the planet with climate change uh, and so on. Um, we could set up um, a community development bank, which is something else that, they, that they're trying to do in Preston, which instead of having to route that financing through sort of big banks that are um, not the most stable institutions in the economy, shall we say, uh, you could do it on a smaller level so you can have some sort of democratic control and oversight over what is our financial sector doing in terms of investment. Um, we can could do 20 minutes. I'm just like, you know, you that's fine. Minutes. This is not going to go on for much longer. Um, oh my God, so many people. And um, set up something like the Co-op Development Network as a sort of educational project. And I think this is probably this is probably the most important point for um, for actually making it radical and not just making it uh, we like SMEs. In terms of, I think a lot of entrepreneurs who would be interested in in setting up these sort of socialist businesses just don't know about it because it's not taught in schools, it's not taught in academic business schools, etc. And if we had people that could understand the massively over-complex body of law governing co-ops in this country um, and understood this is how you can do things on a management level and so on and work with them to help set them up, that would be a significant step forward. Um, I haven't really mentioned it but channeling investment into community land trusts so that we can localise the ownership of the land and bring it into democratic control. So we're not subject to that landlord rent thing um, would be another project or another part of a sort of wider project of municipal socialism. And building formal alliances with similar projects in the UK and abroad, like Preston, like Cleveland. There's other projects across Europe and particularly in Spain um, with the sort of Barcelona and Camus and the citizens platforms that have similar interests. Um, but we, we can't do this all locally. We, this would be massively easier with Jeremy Corbyn in number 10 um, and John McDonnell in number 11. Um, so always keep fighting for a, a national lefty government. So a couple suggestions for anchor institutions that we would probably want to either take over if, they, if they're democratic <laughs> or, or influence. Um, Newcastle City Council, we, we did just get a good couple lefties on the council so they can significantly push for things at least. Um, Maybe more than a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well like how many, like 13-ish? Um, so the council is obviously the biggest, the, probably the biggest <coughs> one because it's, it's democratic and it has the biggest spending power. We have two universities, and I'm not sure how flattered they're going to be by us lot showing up, given that the UCU strike was relatively recently, but they're, they're important. I actually printed off the... because the, they, they published their, um, their spending and investments. This is from Newcastle. I haven't got the Northumbria ones, but currently their investment portfolio is in businesses such as Tesco, Donnell, Ryanair, HSBC... BAE Systems and Serco Group, among like extra yeah. 50 others or something, none of these are in the local economy. None of these actually help anything in the northeast and contribute to that leakage problem. I imagine Northumbria is relatively similar. We're, we're blessed and cursed to have an airport in terms of it spends loads of money. It's also a climate change problem. Um, I, 
So we could approach that and we own it. We own, it's 51% share controlled by the local authorities of the Northeast. The other 49% is controlled by a capital investment firm. Um, since we have a 51% share, we could probably do something local authority-wise to repurpose its spending. It's like the pension fund, you say? Well, pension fund is part of it, but it's not just that. It's procurement spending in terms of where well, people that work there, you need people to clean, people to feed people, etc. Northumbria Police, um, again, lefties, but at the same time, uh, we did in the Labour Manifesto promise to increase police and reverse cuts, so they'd probably be sem somewhat sympathetic. And Vera Baird is a Labour Police and Crime Commissioner. The least we could ask her to do was investigate their spending policies. And we've got multiple hospitals, RVI and um, I can't remember Freeman. what the other one Freeman, and there's some other ones as well. They have lots of money to spend and how they're procurement. And I haven't even mentioned schools and colleges and so on. Um, so there's many institutions that are anchored and can't disappear that we should approach and figure out campaigns on talking to them nicely, but then also having some sort of power to back that up um, in terms of all sorts of things. The council is the easiest one to do because we're a political party. The other ones, maybe not so much. So. Um, yeah, this is the last slide. So the exercise, exercise. I'm like a teacher. Um, we've got some A3 sheets, thanks to Ed stealing them from his work. Um, Borrowing from the council, I'm taking yeah. it back. <laughs> Everybody on board. You can borrow them, take them back to the council, and, and show them all of our lovely ideas. Um, so basically, we've got some some paper and pens, and there's way too many of us to do this all at once. But uh, we could probably split up into smaller groups and think about. I mean, maybe we could each think about a different one of the institutions and how we would go about either taking it over or pressuring slash asking them to participate in this sort of political project um, and planning out in a certain way the sort of campaign and what power do we have and what power can we accumulate through certain campaigning or organising and how do we mobilise that in order to get them to do what